Welcome to Altitude, the unsung heroes of cloud transformation, a podcast by Aviatrix. Today, more and more enterprises are moving their business up to the clouds as the race to innovate continues. In this multi-cloud world, IT leaders and teams find themselves behind the wheel, where they are confronted with both new challenges and new opportunities. On Altitude, we explore the voices and stories of the people who are overcoming these challenges every day to drive their business to the next level. Be sure to subscribe on your preferred listening app and stay tuned for this episode. Hey, hello, and welcome everyone to another episode of Altitude. I have a very special episode today. I'm happy to welcome President and CEO of Aviatrix Networks, Steve Mullaney. And we are going to talk a lot about the past, present, and future of cloud, I hope. Steve, thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Woody. Great to be here. Yeah, all right. So before we really dive into the main material for the episode, I can't resist. I want to back the calendar up a little bit, jump in the hot tub time machine and go back to maybe 2017 and 2018. So, you know, you've recently completed the the very successful, uh, you know, acquisition of Nasira by VMware, which became, of course, NSX. You know, you've, you're resting on your laurels. You are enjoying the fruits of your hard-earned labor. And then all of a sudden, you pivot and join Aviatrix. So walk me through that process. What kind of led you out of this golden, I don't want to say retirement, but just period of, you know, complacency or something, if that's the right word. Yeah, so I was retired, Woody. <clears throat> and people ask me, why, why did you come out of retirement? What, you know, were you bored? What happened? I said, no, none of that. I, I actually was never going to come back and work. And what happened was I was on the, after I left VMware, I had a great career. I was at Palo Alto Networks, did VMware, Nasira, all that kind of stuff. So it was like, great, I'm done. So that was eight years ago. And I was never going to work again. And everybody said, oh, come on, you're going to work. And I said, no, you don't understand. I, I don't, um, you know, see my value and like what my title is and all this kind of stuff. I had tremendous amount of interest. And and so I, saw, I was on boards for like five years and I was never going to work again. And what happened was five years ago, I call it the Cambrian explosion to cloud is when literally on a Tuesday morning, nine o'clock Pacific time, I remember ex the exact time, every enterprise at the same time, because they move as a herd, they all do the same thing at the same time. They all said, now we mean it. We're going to go to cloud. And they said, no more talk, no more fun and games. We're going to go do this. And I heard that because I was on the board of about six or seven different enterprise infrastructure companies, Aviatrix being one of them. And literally overnight, everybody started worrying about compliance and auditing and troubleshooting and day two and all these things that DevOps people never worried about. And I said, my God, it's happening. The herd is on the move. And the money has always been and always will be with enterprise. That's where the volume of money. And even today, now four years after I joined Aviatrix, we're still, Woody, only 10% of the enterprise workloads are in the cloud. It's shocking. And so you think how big AWS and Azure and Google and all these people are, and the real money hasn't even begun to flow into the cloud yet. And so this was four years ago, and I just said, someone's going to become the equivalent of what Cisco was in the last great computing model of PC client server, right? It went from mainframes to PC client server, created all these companies. And this is the beginning of, like I said, the Cambrian explosion to cloud 
the beginning of this new computing model. It's going to be 10 times bigger than the last model of client server. So somebody's going to become bigger than Cisco. Someone's going to become the reference architecture for networking and network security. Who's it going to be? And I said, I don't know, but I know who it's not going to be. Cisco, Arista, Juniper, or anybody existing. Because that's the way transformations are, right? It's always someone new. And I came back for three words, Woody. Why not us? Why not Aviatrix? We were at that time a couple million in, in ARR. We had 100 customers. We were, we were, not, we were cloud native. We were not on-prem, jammed into the cloud. And I knew it was going to be somebody new. And I said, why not, why not us? And so I, I looked, and honestly, Woody, I said this to myself, I wish I hadn't seen it. I really wished I hadn't seen it because I was happy in retirement. But once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it, Woody. And I said, this is going to be by four orders of magnitude bigger than anything I've ever done. And I said, well, now that I've seen it, I can't just do nothing about it. I have to engage. I was still young enough. I still had a lot of energy. And I said, we have the opportunity to create something for the next 30, 40 years, even bigger than Cisco. How do I like say, well, you know, I'm retired, Woody. I said, no, I can't, I can't do it. This is going to be way more fun than retirement. And it has been. That's why I came back. That's, that's great. I love that analogy of the, where did you say? Cambrian explosion. Cambrian explosion. To Cambrian explosion, the, right. The Cambrian explosion, whatever it was, shoot, you know, a billion years ago, 200 million years ago. When, it, when life was like the single cell things in the ocean and it, came, it became this explosion of life, of these multi-cell organisms. And that's how, that's, how, that's how all growth happens. It's not linear, right? It's all of a sudden there's an explosion and that's what happened in cloud. It was nothing. And then this explosion of every enterprise saying, now we're going to go to cloud. And what's great, Woody, is now four years later, we're hitting another inflection point. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, along that exact line, I have this model, okay? It's just Woody's model of the evolution of technology in, in modern society. And, you know, I, I have a degree in history from college, so I have some brain matter to, to weigh in on this, but I'm not trying to say that this is absolute. But I've worked through this model. I think it's a really good inflection point for our conversation today because it does fit into exactly where you're talking about. How are these multiple stages uh, where cloud innovation sparks and then different things happen. And you've mentioned in recent interviews, like on the Cube, for example, that it's happening. So here we are again in another mm -hmm. big turning point, right? So I, I want to dive into mm -hmm. that. But let me just first lay out the tenets of this model and, you know, just hang tight. I, it's a little bit to get through, but I, I think it will be worth it in the end. So the first phase that I identify is the irresponsible phase. This is when the Early technologists and fanboys, fangirls, gearheads, whatever, get involved in a technology. Maybe it's because uh, they have brand loyalty. Maybe it's just because they are devotees of the of the technology stack. They have subscriptions to popular mechanics. You know, you know that's that first phase where a technology or a platform is being tested, um, and then mm -hmm. society can kind of wrinkle their nose and say, yeah, I, don't, "I don't know about that." And then it can move to interesting. So this is the five eyes: irresponsible, then interesting. This is where there's a halo effect from the early adopters and it starts to pick up steam and other people start to lean in and take a look because there might be something going on here. So, you, you know, there's that one guy in your neighborhood that was the first person to own a Tesla, you know, and you see him driving around, you might run into him, you know, it's at school or a church or wherever you are. And you'd say, hey, what? I want to check that thing out, man. What's it like to own that thing? 
you know, and it begins to spread. And then uh, the, the technology begins to kind of have a life of its own. Then we move to important. So irresponsible, interesting, now important. This is where we see broader adoption now by the business community and leaning into enterprise where forward thinkers, people that are a little on the cutting edge, start exploring the, the future opportunity of a, of a technology and saying, yeah, this, there's something there. You know, this could be big. A good example here is like Ford now releasing the F50 and they are saying, yep, we're going to bet on, on EVs and electric vehicles and we're going to bet that it's a significant part of the, the future of the auto industry. And then we move to indispensable. That is when a technology has completely matured and has got widespread global adoption, right? So uh, smartphones are indispensable now. Um, maybe streaming services, we could even say, are indispensable. Uh, people are cutting the cord on their cable um, and their telephones, etc. And then uh, there's a fifth phase after that that not all technology enjoys, but it's possible to reach, which is called uh, intrinsic. And this means that the technology is so pervasive and so accepted that people don't even recognize it as technology. Like, it's crazy to think about, but toilets, refrigerators, microwaves, these things aren't really technology to us or many of us. We just take them for granted. But there was a time when, you know, a toilet would have blown someone's mind, you know? I'm like, what, what are you sitting on that thing? What does it do? You know, uh, what, what's happening here? So all that being said, when you now say it's happening, where are we in that model and, and what's happening? And if we're not at intrinsic yet, uh, what needs to happen in cloud for it to, to move in that direction? So I think we're between stage three and four, which I think we're between what? Interesting and important. You know, one of the key indicators of, you know, when you, you know, what, whatever your analogy is, there's always these five phases of technology adoption. You know, I, I, I call it crossing the chasm or zero to one versus one to N. It's like where you're creating this category. And the a key indicator of when you've created this category is the Gartner Magic Quadrant, right? When there's a Gartner Magic Quadrant, everyone, they look and they say, okay, there's enough of a market here. People now are asking, whose do I buy then versus why do I buy? They know they need to buy it. They start budgeting for it. And that becomes a category. We are not there yet. We are probably a year away from Gartner issuing a Magic Quadrant. They have a market guide, they call it, which says, we're a year away from Magic Quadrant. We're gonna, we, we think, we know this is going to be a, a category, but we're still in the early stages. We are still in the early stages. And, you know, when I, when I started at Aviatrix, a lot of people went and they went to Azure and they went to AWS and they, they said, I'm gonna just use uh, native services. I'm going all cloud, I'm cloud first. I don't need you, Aviatrix, right? And so, AWS tells me they do everything and anything I'll ever need, and it's all going to be great. And they believe them because it's AWS, right? Like, I can't, of course, I'm going to believe them. And so, what I'm, what we're seeing now is this maturation where they're now three years, four years into this Cambrian explosion, and what they're realizing is good enough isn't good enough, Woody. I don't get any visibility. I don't get any control. I can't troubleshoot it. This is not enterprise grade. And when I was just starting off and doing a little bit with applications that didn't really matter to me, it was fine, right? Like a friend of mine used to say, like, if you had to change your oil in your car, could you change, physically change your oil in one car? Sure. Every 3,000 miles, you change your oil. Well, what if you had 100 cars? You want to change your oil? All of a sudden, the manual labor and the complexity of changing your oil, all of a sudden, this is not tenable. It's untenable. 
I can't do this. And so as you start moving more applications into the cloud, and more importantly, you start moving the business critical applications like SAP and other customer facing things, now all of a sudden, like this is the lifeblood of our business. And what they're realizing is the infrastructure that they've built out over the last three to four years is not good enough, right? They can't manage it. They can't troubleshoot it. They have no visibility. They're looking at slow logs. It's a disaster. And they say, we need to go redo this. And so it's, that's where in your, in your five phases, it's becoming indispensable. It's becoming where like, okay, four years ago, I said, we're moving to the cloud. It was interesting. It was important. It's becoming indispensable because of the business criticality of the applications that I am now running in the cloud. And that leads right to AVHs. I'm always curious about these challenges that you're talking about and that they're happening now and not say two or three years ago, insofar as enterprise knows the importance of infrastructure and networking, right? They've invested billions in it. Cisco is a huge deal. And, you know, of course, was one of the big innovators uh, back when data centers were exploding. So it's not like the people that were involved in networking and infrastructure were nobodies. They were big multi-billion dollar businesses. So I'm always curious as to how is it that public cloud kind of missed the memo on that, right? I mean, I have my own theory but it's it's like it feels a little long in the tooth in terms of cloud's total lifespan for customers to be suffering through control and visibility problems and stability problems with with infrastructure usability problems because it's not enterprise grade so what are your thoughts there i mean why do you think csps just we're kind of out to lunch in that department because if you think about aws you know so think about aws has been around for what 13 14 years i mean we've we've had this cloud thing for a long long time so what was cloud 13, 14 years ago? You know what it was for? It was for DevOps people to swipe a credit card and put, put instances up. Why? Because they went to IT and anything that they asked IT for, before they could even finish the sentence, hey, IT, can I? The answer was no. I haven't even finished asking the question. It doesn't matter. The answer is no. Or what year would you like it? And prior to the cloud, the business units, which drive the business, had no other alternative. So IT would say, look, you're going to get it in any color you want as long as it's black and you have no choice. So you have no option. So guess what? The answer is no, or you're going to get it in two years. People were saying, well, I need some servers. Yeah, I'll, we'll write you down for two years from now. And that was fine. But then when the cloud came up, what people had is I have a credit card and I'm not afraid to use it. I'm going to go spin up a workload in AWS. And that became shadow IT. And so it's that that's what happened, right? And so... What happened four years ago is enterprises said, enough of the wild, wild west. We cannot have the business units spinning up workloads, doing whatever, because guess what? No compliance, no auditing, no troubleshooting, no security. We're getting hacked. We're getting ransomware. All these bad things are happening. We are a regulated industry. We cannot have these people swiping their credit card and doing whatever they want. We got to get the visibility control back. And so four years ago, they did that. The problem is they did that four years ago. And they, they, they went and they said, we're going to have a, what every IT person does, a five-year strategy, Woody, to go to the cloud. And guess what happens? For the first three years, they really don't do anything. And in year four, the CIO starts writing, fixing up his resume because he's about to get fired because his five-year strategy isn't going to happen. We're four years into that five-year strategy, and now enterprises are getting panicked. Because they've said, we're going to evacuate our data centers. We're going to go to cloud. And we're now into year four of this. And it's like, why you say, why did CSPs miss this? 
is it's because the CSPs did not develop their infrastructure for enterprise. They developed it for DevOps people swiping a credit card who don't want to know about visibility and control. They did not do it for enterprise. They said their mantra was go build. When you start talking to the Fortune 1000, the Fortune 2000, they do not want to build anything. They want to consume. Their business is about the applications and their business. It is not about internet protocol and networking and all this infrastructure. That is not their business. Whatever. As the enterprise moves and you start moving SAP and business critical applications, you have to care about that kind of stuff. And so the CSPs, the early days of the CSPs was all just for DevOps people swiping cards, right? So it wasn't that they missed it. It was just they were going after a different user and a different type of you know, persona than the enterprise. The enterprise wasn't involved up until, it was only until four years ago when I, this Cambrian explosion to cloud is when the enterprise infrastructure said, okay, now we're getting engaged. That's why. I want to focus more on a statement you made just earlier, which I think is really true and interesting, which is, you know, enterprises just want to consume. They don't really want to build anymore. That's the expectation of cloud, right? Is this as a service. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about your mm -hmm. thoughts in the upcoming, say, three to five years in cloud. Do you think we see PaaS, PaaS-like, maybe even SaaS stuff really dominating? Because right now, still, I think one could argue IaaS is still king, right? Uh, containers are coming on the rise. And certainly cloud native services are growing. I mean, you know, there are lots of popular services that do database and do web hosting and stuff at all the clouds. You've got Lambda, you've got application service environment, you've got SQL manage instance and et cetera and so on. Do you think that's really going to, to move the needle in the next three to five years? Or do you think that, again, these cloud native services are still predominantly fashioned for people that want to swipe credit cards and that it misses the the desire of of uh, enterprise to kind of own their own destiny. So I've been in enterprise infrastructure for 37 years and it's always the same. And it's not one thing or another. It's not homogeneous, it's heterogeneous. There's new applications, there's greenfield, but there's a heck of a lot of brownfield. That look, they still have COBOL written applications on the mainframe from two computing models ago, right? They, and so it'd be great to say, oh, we'll just, we're going to be, you know, all cloud and cloud native and we're going to do everything the modern way. And that's great. And that's way, the way new applications will go. But you just don't have, you can't refactor all these things, right? And so what you're left with is a lot of legacy. And that's every single enterprise. You've got 50, you know, with the companies that we deal with, Aviatrix, 100 years old, Woody. Like, you, it's, it's unbelievable the amount of things that they still have to deal with. And that's just reality, right? And so when you talk about PaaS or you talk about all these different things, of course, they're going to use all that. And they're going to use modern techniques and these things, but they're still going to have all the old, old stuff. And so what they need is they need a common architecture that handles the old stuff as well as the new stuff. Right. So then it's the charm bracelet analogy, right? Businesses just keep adding charms to the bracelet and then the bracelet becomes... Uh, heavy and cantankerous. Well, and then and then what happens is, how do I take all that and abstract all that, right? Because I still have it and make it look like a common architecture. Underneath, it's all this different stuff. It's like software running on different microprocessors and different low-level things. That's what computer science does is you abstract the complexities of the underlying infrastructure 
to create a consistent architecture above it. Yeah, but see, CSP networks don't don't do that in full yet, right? There's no way to, to design a network within a public cloud today that can account for all those different systems. Again, I think you earlier said no. it's it's any color as long as you want it black, right? That's the challenge people are facing. Is right. that they say, I want to connect all these things to cloud. I want all these systems to interact and be wholesome. But then cloud will stick out like a sore thumb because the rules of networking a cloud are very fundamentally different yeah. than than the rules yeah. of on-prem networking. And it's it's a yeah. massive... Well, and, and, and it goes back to what you said, Woody, of, well, why did I come out of retirement? Well, I came out of retirement because I'm an enterprise guy and I understand heterogeneous infrastructure. I understand that, of course, this is going to be multi-cloud because it's not the enterprise IT that make that decision, Woody. It's the business unit. And guess what? That line of business says, I need the AI capabilities of GCP, or I need this from Azure, or I need this from Oracle, and, and my developers started at AWS. And the next thing you know, every enterprise is a service provider from an IT perspective. They have to create a common infrastructure of which networking is part of that. And I need to be able to support all the lines of business, and they all are going to use, I'm going to end up with every enterprise calls their four plus one strategy, which is four different public clouds plus on-prem. And I got to mash this all together and create this abstraction layer above it that makes it look like one architecture. That was the vision of Aviatrix four years ago when I joined that. But I've been in infrastructure for 37 years. So to me, it was just like, well, of course, that's obvious. Talking about multi-cloud and how now it's kind of obvious. I just read an article in Network Worlds titled Survey NetOps is Essential but Undervalued in Making Multi-Cloud Decisions. And there's two little paragraphs I want to read from this and just get your comments and reaction on. And I'm just going to read them verbatim because I don't really have the, the talent for raw memorization here to, and, and to pull it off. So the article says, uh, and by the way, I'll quote the author of the article, who is Seamus McGillicuddy, to make sure to give him credit. By 2024. Good Irish guy. Yeah, good Irish guy. There you go. By 2024, 88% of enterprises will use two or more infrastructure as a service providers, according to research by uh, a firm called EMA which believes that network infrastructure and operation teams must take a leadership role in defining network architecture that ensures the performance and security of their cloud services. EMA recently polled a group of these enterprises, about 351 of them, and they found that networking teams and network technology have become more important in 81% of multi-cloud strategies in recent years. Is that what you mean by it's happening? That people are finally figuring out that networking and multi-cloud networking are critical and that IT stakeholders need to be more included in the overall decision-making about how this thing works for, for ultimate, ultimate success? Or is that too narrow? No, I mean, so my phrase it's happening is it's more nuanced. But one of the things, as you bring up, of it's happening is one of the things I, I see that it's happening is you think about four years ago, they have this Cambrian explosion to cloud. They say, okay, we're going to go to cloud. What every enterprise did was they created a, what they call the CCOE, a cloud center of excellence. So if you're going to go do, it's a difference between settlers and pioneers, right? So I'm watching the, um, what's it called? 1883, 1923, all the, all the, the, the old uh, Yellowstone, the precludes the Yellowstone, if you've been watching any of that. But there's a lot of settlers, right? They're moving across the, the country and it is a certain thing that happens with, with settlers. And so, and so they, they, they took a, a small group and they said, let's move out west. Let's go figure this out. And what it was was, let's go figure out cloud. And so they took a handpicked 
small group of a couple people. Sometimes they were networking people. A lot of times they were just applications people and they said, go figure out cloud. And the rest of the organization, 90% of the IT organization were held back on-prem, right? They're, they're settlers. They're not pioneers. Stay over there. Let us go figure out this thing called the West, which is cloud. And when it's safe, we'll call you. There's a lot of bandits. There's a lot of bad things that are going to happen. There's rattlesnakes. But we're going to go figure it out, and then we'll call you. They created these groups. They were called CCOE. They went and they did that. What's happening now, and this is the bigger what's happening, is they've now said, settlers, it's safe. We figured it out. We moved out to cloud. It works. Let's go bring the volume of our applications. Let's go bring the business criticality of our applications. Hey, business units, we've now built the base infrastructure. As to your point, we have toilets. We have plumbing. We have the basic level things. You can now come and live in this house. So come on, everybody. And what's happening is they have to bring all the people from on-prem because that's gone. It's over. That's like, I mean, that was over four years ago, but now it's really over. Like we're not investing. We're evacuating the data center, but they can't hire people, Woody. They can't, like they have to take and retrain these people and on-prem people to understand cloud. So it's great for the, the on-prem people to learn this new technology. And that's what's happening now is we're going from that transition of phase three to phase four and being important and so forth. And, and now you're going to see this, this dramatic increase because the quantity of applications and the business critical, criticality of the applications that we're bringing in the cloud. Every time I talk to a sell-side analyst or a financial analyst, they say, see, when... How come enterprises are still only 10% workloads in the cloud? It's because, like Andy Grove used to say, people overestimate in the short term, underestimate in the long term. People think linearly. That's not how growth happens. Growth happens, nothing, nothing, a little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit, and then you hit this inflection point. We're hitting that inflection point where they say, okay, now it works. Now we need to put the business critical applications, all the volume of the application. We're going to evacuate our data centers, and we've been doing this over the last four years. They're bringing everybody who was on-prem. They said, okay, we're going to teach you cloud. And now we are going all in on cloud. That's what's happening right now. Okay. So we're hockey sticking. It's happening. Pioneers have settled. They built their wooden fort in the frontier and they've got everything stabilized. But of course, they still need to teach these newcomers how to live in the wild, right? It's like you don't have the creature comforts of, of home anymore. It's, it's a brave new world. So, you know, I've always said, to, to my friends and customers, you know, there's no O'Reilly book really for, for cloud. I mean, they're starting to emerge, but you know, the, the ability to just self-educate, for example, for a CCIE or something, I mean, there's tons and tons of, of resources out there, right? There's videos, there's books, there's night classes. I took a night class and extension course at UW uh, to do networking and my teacher broke out the Cisco routers and we plugged them all on the desk and stuff. As far as I know, you know, there's really nothing like that yet for for cloud, specifically in infrastructure, right? I mean, probably on the data science side, some some things are heating up, but for for your basic IT professional, um, it really is kind of still tribal, right? I mean, if you're going to learn cloud, you've got to go through certification programs, and it's you've got to just get in there and roll your sleeves up and uh, and and do school of hard knocks. How do we fix that? How do we make sure that people are getting the training that they need? I've been in infrastructure and networking and network security for 37 years. You mentioned Cisco. What's the number one, by far, best certification thing that was ever done for networking? CCIE. 
people are multiple CCIEs, right? That was a phenomenal thing. So we started what we call the ACE program, the Aviatrix Certified Engineer, right? Which is the equivalent of CCIE. We now have almost 20,000 certified ACE professionals, multiple different levels of training from profession, from associate to professional to Terraform to design expert to SAP orientation to all kinds of different five or six different flavors of ACE training, just like CCIE. So you can be multiple ACE, ACE trained because we knew that people need to be to learn multi-cloud networking and network security. And who is going to teach them? Cisco, Juniper, Arista, they, of course, it's not going to come from them. It's not going to come from AWS because AWS is only going to teach you about AWS and Azure is only going to teach you about Azure. So the world couldn't go anywhere. We said, as the leader, it's our job to bring these people along. And we started it four years ago and we created it with our elite you know, black belts and, and, and solution architects of people that understood BGP and understood Cisco. We came from Cisco. We came from VMware NSX. We came from the old legacy world, but yet we also knew multi-cloud and we could help them bridge that gap. So funny story, one of our partners, he became the practice lead for networking and he was completely lost. And he was an old world guy and he didn't understand cloud. It didn't make sense. He didn't understand. And he said, I need help. And so he went to one of his friends at Cisco and he said to his friend, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. I don't understand this cloud. I don't get it. I'm running the network practice here at this system integrator. And I think I'm going to get fired like because I have no idea what I'm doing. And the person from Cisco said, check out Aviatrix. And he said, what's an Aviatrix? And he said, just Google it. Look at it. Look at the ACE, their ACE training. Take it. This is a true story, Woody. You can't make this stuff up. And he did. And he took that training and the seas parted, the skies cleared, the fog lifted, whatever your analogy is. And it just, he became enlightened. He became a changed human, Woody. And I see that with people that take ACE training because they're old world on-prem people. And I like to say, they can't spell BPC if you spot them two letters. And it's a joke, but it's actually kind of true. And this guy said, I, the lights went on. Became a changed human. And now he is such an advocate for Aviatrix. And it was all because of the ACE training. He took this. He's now getting his company. He's introducing us to all his, all his enterprise customers because they're all getting pulled into the cloud. And all the people that he knows are all on-prem people. And now he's had this ACE training and he's, and he's enlightened, right? And once, it's like anything else, once you're enlightened, Woody, you can't unsee it. So just like what happened to me four years ago, when I saw what was going to happen, I just shook my head and I said, oh, I wish I could unsee this because now I have to go back to work, Woody. And I loved being retired. I had houses everywhere. I'm in Tahoe now. I didn't work for anyone. This is how people, when they understand, they see what Aviatrix is doing and the light bulb goes off. They, you can't unsee it. That's, that's what ACE training is doing for people. So last question. We talked about this model, irresponsible, interesting, important, indispensable, possibly intrinsic. We've identified that cloud is somewhere between interesting and important. I agree. We know that cloud has a tremendous amount of inertia now. It's happening, right? We're going towards indispensable. Yeah, uh, is that a foregone conclusion? You know, 
is is cloud too big to fail or can it be a victim of its own success meaning they still don't quite get the recipe right for critical applications uh is there anything that really needs no. to happen that hasn't happened so that cloud can finally turn that corner and become this indispensable thing it's too late it's over it's happening as it is the boat has been burned and we are marching towards and it's there's no going back now there are some applications that probably like again as i started i said enterprises is a little bit of everything there are some applications that probably don't belong in the cloud and 50% of your existing applications are 100% going to go to the cloud and this is the kind of thing that i see at enterprises now is is we have a lot of customers that are coming to us and saying i'm going to get fired because it's a little bit of deja vu all over again it's a yogi paraphrase um 20 years ago it was People hate it. Every, for the most part, IT is hated, Woody, right? By the business units, right? Why? Because all they do is tell you no, right? You're not aligned to the business. You're, you, all you do is tell me no. You tell me you can't do it. The security won't allow it. They've got a PhD in no. And so it's not that the people want to say that. It's just that they, in order to keep the business safe and do all these things, the technology isn't there. Cloud is the first time that enables the IT people to actually be aligned to the business and actually move forward the business, right? Because of automation and being able to terraform everything, everything, infrastructure is code, right? Like all this stuff and AI and all software versus the old way was very rigid and slow and complex. And, and cloud actually creates this simplicity versus trying to manage the complexity. And that's computer science and that's software and it's creating abstractions and Everything that like Aviatrix does for networking is all about creating this simplicity, which allows you to automate and scale and have this agility that need, you need, but yet with the visibility and control that you used to have on-prem. It's that, it's that fantastic combination of agility for the, for the lines of business, but yet the visibility and control that you used to have on-prem. And that's the whole, the whole, the whole magic. It's exciting to watch. Um, and... You know, there's going to be a little bit of tension within enterprises because they said the deja vu all over again. Some of the business units are getting really pissed off at IT right now. And these are the people that don't have Aviatrix because they're saying, you're reminding me of IT 20 years ago. They smell and they go, you're, you're smell like the IT guys from 20 years ago. I've seen this movie before. We've had customers come to me that says, I'm going to get fired. If we don't deploy you quickly, we did not hear that three years ago, Woody, because we're three or four years into that journey. And, 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 and what happens is CEOs of enterprises are a lot like me, Woody. I'm not a patient man. And that's how every CEO of every global 2000 enterprise is. They're pretending to be patient. And now after about three or four years, guess what happens, Woody? I'm now impatient. That's what's happening. So now all our enterprises are coming to go, shit. Because they can't deploy these business critical applications. And the enterprise said, look, the boat, we have burned the boat. We are doing this and we're going to do this with or without you. Maybe I need to get a new IT team who can go do this. We enable people to become the zero to hero. Where we're going to get people promoted within IT because we're the dream that they've been dreaming of right? Where I can get the visibility and control that I need as an IT guy. Because whenever anything goes wrong, who do they call? A networking team. It's your fault, whether it is or not. I have to be able to troubleshoot, debug, day two, but yet I've got to deliver to the lines of business because I'm a service provider. 
that line of business. I've got 28 lines of business that are hammering me. And all they want to do is just deploy applications. They don't care about security. They don't care about compliance, auditing, all these abilities that an enterprise has to do because they're an enterprise that the IT team has to worry about. The, the lines of business don't care about that stuff. They just want to deploy quickly. And they're not deploying quickly. Then they, then they learn about us and they go, my God, you're my savior. You're going to turn me into a hero. All right. Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank uh, Steve for uh, being on the show today and providing such a great candor and insight into uh, the past, present, and future of cloud and multi-cloud. And I wish everyone a happy Valentine's Day and stay tuned. I got my pink on. All right. Yeah. You didn't didn't even mention that, Woody. Yeah. I tried to squeeze it in at the end, you know. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. Thanks again, Steve. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, Woody. Sure. 